0: All right, Galatians 5 verse 19. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident or manifest. Let's talk about that word evident or manifest. That word evident or manifest means shining, apparent, public, manifest openly, known abroad, outwardly appearing. Open to sight, visible. It's the idea of shining forth, not hidden, and also spread abroad. This is something good to understand. So my children, my kids are young right now. They're three and four years old. And one of the cutest, most adorable, but also kind of hilarious things as they'll take and they'll put a blanket over their head and they'll go, Daddy, where did I go? And I'm like, well, obviously, they're, they're right there in front of me, but they've covered up their own eyeballs. And since they can no longer see me in their mind, perhaps I can no longer see them. They have this belief that when they simply close their eyes to reality, that they become invisible to reality. So there's this unique thing when we get caught in sin. And one of the things whenever we're caught in sin, which is often these works of the flesh that we're going to go into after this, is sometimes we feel like we're invisible. I might think, hey, I've got a secret alcohol addiction or a secret porn addiction or some sort of secret thing going on that I do you know when I'm hidden and alone at my house where no one else is out there and we think somehow it's hidden or it's not manifest and yet this is false it's actually quite apparent what happens when we get into a lifestyle of sin or we get caught in sin or the works of the flesh is it's like this veil that we put over our face just like my kids when they throw their blankie over their face and they think I can't see them anymore and yet I can see them as clear as day it's apparent they're right there in front of me there's no hiddenness but in their own mind they can't see me because they've put a veil over their face well sin is like that blankie that we put over our face and what goes on is it's not that nobody else can see us because scripture declares that those things are evident and manifest. It's that we simply have blinded ourselves so that now we have trouble seeing. Scripture declares, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And the issue with both sin and the works of the flesh is they're actually trying to take away our purity of heart so that we can no longer see God. It's not that God is condemning us and judging us every time we fall into sin. It's that we're literally putting a veil over our face so that we can no longer see him. This is why it's important to walk by faith and not by sight. Faith comes by hearing, because when we're caught in sin and when we're caught in the lust of the flesh, it is not our sight that will set us free because there's a veil over our face. It's hearing the voice of God and allowing him to purify our hearts and us following that voice that literally guides us into freedom. Scripture declares, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And what we'll see, and what you'll often see, is it's really easy to tell when somebody's caught in a particular sin if you'll just talk to them long enough. Not always, but often they'll joke about it. Look at where the humor is, but look especially where the corrupt humor is. Someone caught in pornography or sexual immorality is often making a lot of crude sexual kind of jokes. Not always, but often you'll see that kind of thing. There's a particular manner of speech that seems to often be associated with a variety of the sins. But the speech alone is not the only thing that makes it manifest, although out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth does speak. Yet we also saw this in the prophetic movement for a while. What was going on with people that were immature prophetically, that might have the gift of prophecy, they would be able to see something, but they wouldn't actually have maturity to know how to properly respond to it. And what would happen is somebody would come to a church or to a meeting with some prophet, and the prophet would say, Hey you, guy in the blue shirt, stand up. The guy in the blue shirt stands up. And the prophet begins, I see you're caught in pornography. You're sexually immoral. You know, you're addicted to alcohol. You're a drunkard. Blah blah blah. And in reality, what you've got is you've got somebody up there who might be speaking accurately. That man in the blue shirt may actually be caught in pornography and in sexual immorality and alcoholism and so on. But the prophet's actually not prophesying. They're just condemning the guy. And there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. So if you're speaking words that are condemning someone, it's because you're not speaking from Christ. You've got to step outside of Christ to begin to condemn those. Nevertheless, the prophetic gift still functions in the prophet and they perceive sinfulness inside of this person look the sin is manifest it can be seen it can be discerned that doesn't mean you run around with paranoia thinking that everybody's got this sin and that sin and trying to look for it in the person i assure you if your focus is a sin focus you're actually more likely to be led astray that's kind of like the discernment that we'd spoken about earlier with the idea of focusing more on the devil and his kingdom thinking somehow the devil's going to equip you with the gift of discernment i assure you focusing on sin is not going to equip you with the gift of discerning sin focusing on christ is the key but understand that these things are manifest and the reason why this is important is because we want to get set free from them you know that there was a thing with uh, certain kinds of sexual immorality which i'm going to cover very shortly here where they talk about coming out of the closet. Hey, you've been hidden in this closet for so long. You've been sitting in there watching porn, you know, about whatever particular corrupt sexual, Im- sexually immoral desire. Why don't you come out of the closet now and decide to accept that sexually immoral desire as a way of life? Why were they in the closet? Everybody could see them. The whole world could see them. The eyes of God can see right through brick and stucco and drywall and wood and hay and whatever other materials houses might be built out of. The eyes of God see through all of that. The whole of creation can see through that. The angels can see through that. The demons can see through that. It's not that other people are blind to your sin. It's that when we engage in sin, we throw the blinky over our face and we become blind. For this reason, it is super important that we find freedom. Super important that we learn to walk by the Spirit. It's absolutely vital because these works are manifest. And remember, the carnal nature or the flesh to be carnally minded is death. And that carnal nature actually wants to steal, kill, and destroy I have heard someone say with things like alcoholism and pornography that it'll take you farther than you want to go and it'll keep you there longer than you want to be there. There's people out there who just start drinking and 37 years later they get sober and realize they've lost 37 years of their life. Same with internet pornography addictions. They hop into pornography or sexual immorality and it's like a prison. It's a prison that offers a temporary thing that seems to maybe feel a little bit good. And yet 38, 55, 72 years later, maybe you get set free from it. Or maybe you never find freedom. Maybe this prison literally keeps you trapped your entire life until you die, having never fulfilled your calling and destiny that God put upon your life. This is why it is so vital that we find freedom from the Spirit of the living God, because He is the only one that will empower us to walk into the fullness of our callings and destinies and purposes. We want to be manifest sons of God. The deeds that we want to manifest through us are the works of Jesus Christ, not the works of the flesh. All right, Galatians 5 19. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. Let's talk about sexual immorality. I want to start off by reading just a few scriptures that make it apparent why this is such an important topic. But I also want to say none of this is here to condemn you. This is here to set you free. My experience is that most people who end up in sexual immorality... Do so due to loneliness, disconnection, trauma, parenting issues as a child, abuses, a lot of things like that. Most of what pushes people into that lifestyle initially or uh, pornography, something like that. And then it's a hook. It's a hook that gets inside of you. And like I said earlier, it's it's something that takes you further than you want to go. But often, it'll offer you something that seems good in return. Maybe dopamine released in your body as you experience an orgasm, something to that effect. But that alone doesn't make it of God just because there seems to be a temporary pleasure to the body. So that's why it's so important that we understand especially what sexual immorality is. Unfortunately, sexual immorality and pornography are huge industries. Billions of dollars and massive amounts of Christians, both men and women, are caught in these things and addicted to them. And they cause marital problems, relationship problems, all kinds of things like that. Sometimes they keep you from ever even finding a relationship. I actually had a good friend who unfortunately went the vast majority of their life addicted to porn Until he finally died, never meeting the woman of his dreams. And that's sad. And that should not be so. And he was a man of God. He just never found freedom. He didn't know how to find freedom from it. So the first scripture I want to read is from Romans chapter 12. We're going to start at the first verse. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, So we see right here in Romans, we're literally being told to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Our actual body, that includes our body parts and what we do with our body in our body parts. And then the next verse, we always hear about this, don't be conformed to this world or be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But you notice right before that is presenting your body as a living sacrifice that's holy and acceptable. Those two go together. We have to learn how to become a living sacrifice, not presenting our bodies to fleshly works or fleeting pleasures, but rather how to present our bodies to God. And we find the ability to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. My quick encouragement to you here is... If you have found yourself stuck in something where you're presenting your bodies not as a living, holy sacrifice to God, maybe you're stuck in pornography, maybe you're stuck with drug addiction, although I'm talking more about sexual immorality here, but anything that happens to be the flesh or the body being presented in a manner that is not holy, ask the Lord for a desire for holiness. Cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, Give me a desire for holiness. Maybe you don't even have one. One of my favorite prayers, and it's also my most annoying prayer, but it's one of my favorite prayers is where I come to the Lord and I say, Lord, I know that I should desire this, but I don't. So I need you to change my desire to desiring you. Maybe I don't even want to pray that. And so I come to the Lord and say, Lord, i know that my desire should change to holiness i should no longer present my body to pornography or sexual immorality lord but what if i don't even want to have that shift that i come and i say lord you've got to change my desire for my desires shift me at my core so that i change to desire you lord make it so that the genuine cry of my heart Is for holiness and purity and freedom 100% of the time I have found the Lord is willing to change the desires of my heart to line up with his if I will just come and surrender and say Lord I don't even want to give this lifestyle choice up you've got to change me to make me be willing to give this lifestyle choice up So that I can give it up to come to you because I really want you more than I want this lifestyle choice, but I'm stuck in it. Set me free, Jesus. And He is faithful and just to cleanse us from all of that unrighteousness and forgive us our sins and bring us onto a journey of freedom. So that's my quick encouragement. Ask the Lord. To give you the desire to present your body all around, head to toe, everything you do with it as a living sacrifice. So that you can really truly begin on the journey of being transformed into the image of Christ by the renewing of your mind. The next verse I'm going to read is from Revelation chapter 21. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm not a hellfire and brimstone kind of preacher. There's been plenty of those guys out there. But there are a number of warnings about sexual immorality in the scripture. And I think it's at least good enough to be aware of those so that sometimes if we need, maybe we can use those as just a little bit of a wake up call to kind of light a, a, a fire, if you will, to give us encouragement to pursue holiness at a greater level. So, Revelation 21, starting at verse 5 And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. I want to point out a quick contrast between verse 7 and verse 8. So verse 7 says, hey, if you conquer, you've got this heritage. I'll be your God and you'll be my son. I'm reminded of John chapter 1 where it says to them who believed in the name of Jesus, he gave the power to become a son of God. Not you were automatically transformed into it instantaneously, but you had the power to become a son of God. That means you have the power to embrace holiness and purity and begin a journey of learning what it means to walk by the Spirit and not the flesh. But verse 8, you see in verse 8 here, Revelation 21 a number of these things actually line up with what we see in Galatians 5 as the works of the flesh. We see murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and so on. But sexually immoral is in this list. It's also listed as a work of the flesh. Again, I'm not a hellfire and brimstone guy, but I will say, should this not be metaphorical verse here in Revelation, and this be a a legit, you know, a literal verse, I don't want to end up in some lake with fire and stuff. I want to be that verse that says he's going to be my God and I'm going to be his son. So we need to take serious just this warning about sexual immorality because that thing I said about it'll take you further than you want to go, it might take you all the way down to fire. Just another thought of potential caution. Uh, Again, not hellfire stuff, but I'm reminded of that verse in Matthew where Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does my will, many will say to me in that day, Lord, didn't I prophesy in your name? I healed the sick. I cast out demons. I did miracles. I did super awesome Jesus looking stuff. And Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness or sin or iniquity. It is very possible to be spiritually gifted and yet still walking by the flesh, which is what scripture declares is death. And so I think the key to overcoming that so that we never, ever, ever find ourselves in that potential spot of this lake of fire or of thinking we've done so good for Jesus and Jesus saying, I don't even know you, man. Get out of here. I don't don't want that for anyone. And I believe the key is learning the Spirit-led life, to learn to overcome all of these things. You'll know when you're on the Spirit-led life because you will overcome all of the works of the flesh. All right, I want to skip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. This is a a chapter worth reading because the whole thing is about sexual immorality and how it defiles the church and how those who are caught in the sexual immorality should be kicked out of the church. Now, I don't know that that's referring to just any sexual immorality. In 1 Corinthians 5, it was referring to a guy that was hooking up with his stepmom, basically. Uh, you know, Paul says, hey, even the world doesn't do this kind of stuff. This is ridiculous. Kick that guy out of the church. But if you go down to verse 9, it says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. But now I am writing you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of a brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed. Scripture declares we should not even eat with such a one. That seems like a pretty strong warning. Well, part of the issue is so much of the church is caught in sexual immorality. Look, if we kicked all the people out of the church that were sexually immoral, like right now, right now, or that associated with the sexually immoral that were in the church, how much of the church do you think would disappear? I bet it would be a pretty large number. How many pastors would be gone? Probably a number higher than we would expect. Now, I'm not calling for everybody stuck in sexual immorality to be thrown out of every church, but I am calling for everyone to find freedom and purity and holiness and begin that pursuit again if you have lost sight of that pursuit. If you have exchanged the pursuit of God with the pursuit of an orgasm, you've got to get back to purity and holiness. This is the reason why we see so much of our society going downhill is because they're just pursuing what feels good to the body as opposed to pursuing the spirit of Christ. Remember, Romans 8.13 says, if we live according to the flesh, we will die. That includes pursuing just sexual immorality. That's living according to the flesh. But if by the Spirit we put to death the deeds of the body, we will live. Well, we want life. We don't just want to quote a verse that Jesus came to give us life and life abundantly. Quoting that verse isn't the same of living that life and partaking that life and walking out that life. We want to actually live that life, and it's not going to come from simply quoting the Bible verse a bunch of times. It's going to come from living by the Spirit and using the Spirit to put to death the deeds of the body. There is actually a process of where the flesh comes to us and says, Hey, I got an idea that's going to feel good. Go hop on the internet. Look at some pornography. Go, go play with yourself. Go touch yourself. And that way there's an orgasm involved. It literally shows up and presents to you this idea inside of your mind somewhere where you may, if you've already given yourself over to it, you may impulsively respond thinking, that's a great idea. I'm going to do that as soon as I get home tonight or whatever opportunity you got. But if you begin to recognize that voice coming to you saying, hey, I got this idea. You should go look at porn your first response should be who's saying that to me right now who is that Holy Spirit is that you are you telling me to go look at porn Jesus Christ are are you and me right now telling me to go look at porn who's telling me to go look at this stuff right now and what you find out is it sounds like you you might even think it's you but it's the flesh it's the old man it's a habit still try a programming if you will and you've got to take and interrupt that program you've got to use the spirit of god to put to death the deeds of the flesh putting something to death is often a violent act it's not you know it's not always a kind thing it's not like the carnal nature is going to show up and say hey you go go lust right now go do this thing go be sexually immoral and you're going to say hold on let, let me bust out the lethal injection needle or something it's not always like that You may actually have to to put to death this thing and say, look, I know that's not the Holy Spirit. I know that's not Jesus Christ. I don't care how good it might feel to my mind or my body to go and commit sexual immorality. I'm not living according to my mind and my body. I'm living according to the Spirit of the living God who is within me. And I'm going to stop and I'm going to listen. I'm going to say, Jesus scripture says submit myself to god and then resist the devil and he will flee that sounds like the devil coming at me right now through my carnal nature so holy spirit i'm going to submit myself to you right now even if i've had this addiction for years i'm going to stop right now and i'm just going to say lord i need your help i need your freedom i don't want to fall back into this addiction i don't want to be like that guy that spent his whole life stuck on the internet until he died and never found the true love that he was looking for i don't want that i want your freedom the spirit will speak to you the spirit of god will set you free but you've got to turn to that spirit every time every moment and i'm going to tell you when you're caught in something some sort of sinful habit will use sexual immorality since that's still the one so let's say you're caught in some sort of sexual immorality whatever it might be, pornography, homosexuality, adultery, something like that. We'll get to the Greek here in a little bit for what that word means. But when you're caught in these things, it may actually be an addiction or an impulsive response at first. It's kind of like the people that train in martial arts or kung fu and they've just got those instinctive martial arts responses. Somebody comes for a punch and they're already blocking without even trying. It's programmed into the body. Well, that's the issue is sometimes that carnal nature is programmed into the body and so it shows up and it's got the hooks and it says, hey, go get on the internet, go look at porn. And you instinctively, just your body begins to respond, yeah, your mind's, yeah, good idea, I'm going to see some hot stuff, whatever, on the internet today, blah, blah, blah. You've got to stop and you've got to say, Holy Spirit, I need you right now, I need to hear your voice. You've got to learn to interrupt the process. Hey, God, I need you. I'm going to close my eyes so that I can see through your eyes. Because if I open my eyes, I'm just going to see the stuff on the internet. So, Lord, I'm going to close my eyes and I'm going to listen. Speak to me, Jesus. Talk to me. Show me the circumstance through your eyes, through heaven's perspective. Who do you say I am? You want an even better one for beginning to really free yourself from sexual immorality and porn? Start learning to hear the voice of God. Start praying the God's heart for people and then say, "Lord, what's your heart for this person?" "Hey Lord, here I am staring at some pornography on the internet. Lord, what's your heart for that woman or and that man that are here on, you know on the computer, on the video, on the whatever?" What's your heart for those people? How do you see them right now? Let me tell you, when you begin to get the heart of a loving father for the people you're looking at on a video or the internet, it is so hard to maintain a sexually immoral lifestyle because love comes in. The love of God comes in and begins to shift you. All of a sudden, what you're staring at is two people who are caught, they're trapped. They're literally slaves to the carnal nature and slaves to the flesh. They're literally being killed by it. And they don't know because the flesh is offering them just a quick release of dopamine and a fleshly thing that feels good in exchange for their death. But when you step into the heart of God, to the love of God, it begins to shatter the chains that bind you. Because when you begin to see through God's eyes and through heaven's perspective, it lifts you out of the carnal nature and into the Spirit. That's part of one of the keys to walking by the Spirit is to seeing through the Spirit, seeing from God's eyes, hearing what God has to say about things. That's why faith comes by hearing and that's why we walk by faith and not by our own sight. We've got to walk by what God says. And God's going to speak from his perspective and what he sees. So going over to the Greek for a little bit, the word sexual immorality in the Greek is actually the word pornea. "pornia." I mean, it's literally where we get the word porn from or pornography. The word includes harlotry, adultery, incest, fornication, illicit sexual intercourse, It's the idea of idolatry, the association of pagan idolatry with doctrines of Christianity. Why idolatry? I'll tell you why from a spiritual eyes perspective. You keep your spiritual eyes open and here's what's really going on. There's this voice that shows up and it says, hey you, I want you to go look at some pornography tonight. Or hey, What about that hot girl you saw at the mall today? You should go think about her later tonight and touch yourself. Who is that voice? Who is coming to me, telling me to look at pornography? Who's telling me to go commit adultery? Who's telling me to go and ponder these thoughts? Is it Jesus Christ? No. So I'm obeying another master, someone other than God. That's why it's idolatry. We're literally having another God before our God. God shows up and says, present your body a holy sacrifice, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. He says, your body is mine it's a temple of the Holy Spirit. I paid for it with the price and it cost me everything. And yet this voice shows up and it says, hey, this will be a good time. You're going to enjoy it. You're going to you know, feel something good in your body. There's going to be some dopamine, some pleasure coming to you. Yeah, partake in this. It's pleasure. Look, God's not against sex. He created it. I mean, I'm just going to point this out in case you didn't figure this out already, but God created the orgasm. He created the body parts that have that. He created the nerves. He created the experience. Literally, it was God that created it. He understands that it feels good, and he intentionally designed it that way. But there's a corruption that comes, and this is that knowledge of good and evil where both the flesh and the devil use these to deceive people. It's the wrong tree. You got the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And the wrong tree shows up and says, hey, this feels good to your body, right? It feels good. Why don't you do what's good? It's good It's good to have some orgasm. It's good to have some sex. So here, go have this corrupt version of it. Well, wait a second. Is this the spirit of God? Am I honoring to God? God gave me a wife. Why do I need to go hop on the internet or think about some other girl? God gave you a husband. Why do you need to think about some other dude? or hop on the internet to look at stuff. For those who are married, it also doubles up as a trap because what it's trying to do is get you to take your focus off of your spouse. There's a lot of people out there who have had issues where one of them is caught in pornography. It's not always the husband, believe it or not. I've, seen, you know, I've gotten to counsel a lot of people whenever I was in the legal world, and I used to be a family law attorney, and I've gotten to see a lot of situations where both the man or the woman would be caught in sexual immorality, in pornography, in affairs, and all kinds of different lifestyles. And it often started with just the carnal nature showing up and saying, "Hey, I got an idea. It'll be It'll feel good. And what's been going on is this idea gets planted in their minds and they begin to dwell upon it. They meditate on it, Ooh, oh yeah. oh, that sounds like a cool idea And they just think about it. It's consuming their thoughts. Because they're not taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ and saying, Christ, is this your mind? I got the mind of Christ according to Scripture. Is Jesus thinking about committing adultery right now? Is Jesus thinking about hopping on some pornography right now? No, he's not. I guarantee you he's not. But if we don't have the discipline to come to the Lord and say, Lord, is this you? Then what happens is we might just start thinking about those thoughts and they just come at us aggressively because satan knows where he's got some hooks in us and so next thing you know i got people in my divorce office over here you know years ago in my family law office talking about hey well here's how it started you know it started with pornography it often starts with pornography people watch something that just seems normal and next thing you know they're clicking on this other video that's a little bit abnormal You know, in a year later, they're trying to get their genitals chopped off and mutilate their bodies because they've spent so much time watching pornography that's all kind of weird and corrupt that they're beginning to identify with it. And then there's a whole crowd of people saying, yes, be carnal, be prideful, be prideful, exalt yourself above God, present your body a living sacrifice to the carnality and to the devil, the guy that comes to steal, kill and destroy. You don't want that. You don't want to get caught in that. As I said, it will take you further than you want to go. And it's literally trying to murder you. It's trying to kill you. And it's offering you a fleeting orgasm experience or some dopamine release, which comes with that. It's offering you that in exchange for your murder. Just your murder is slow over the course of time. This is why it is so important you overcome these things. You have to overcome sexual immorality. It is rampant in in our culture, at least in my culture. I live in America and it is rampant. Everywhere you go, you see people using advertisements that are very much geared towards sexuality to try to sell everything. I get on a website to look at a new pillow and there's some half-naked girl sitting on the advertisement. Like, why do I need, I get it, they're laying on a pillow. But you don't need a half-naked girl to sell pillows. You can just have a nice pillow to sell your pillows. I get on the website to buy a towel. Why you gotta have a naked girl with the towel barely wrapped around her? I try to buy some cologne. Why is there a half-naked girl sitting next to the dude while I'm trying to buy the cologne? It is rampant in this culture. Absolute rampant. And it's because it's got a hook in the carnal nature. And we are such a carnal society. There's even carnal Christians everywhere who are right into this lifestyle, into this stuff. And it is time that we come back to holiness and purity. The only way we can be transformed and walk by the Spirit of God is to come back to holiness and purity with the Lord. We need this so bad in our society right now. Our whole society needs this right now. And it starts with you. And I promise you, if you're the person who's struggling, you're the person who wants freedom from porn, freedom from lust, freedom from sexual immorality. You want to live according to the spirit of God. I promise you, the spirit of God will meet you. Just cry out to him from your heart to set you free and you will be set free indeed."